RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Take back your internet privacy today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mission log. Mission Log Supplemental Number 57, the one with your new co-host. Hey, welcome to a very special edition of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion, and uh, I'm going to be joined by two people today. I want to introduce one of them first, and that would be executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Hello, How you doing? John. How you doing? Welcome. It's welcome. been such a long time. I, I was just on this, like, uh, what, four shows ago, three shows four, ago? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. We did a you little, guys are uh, getting desperate for guests, aren't oh, you? Tell me about it. Yeah, but it was a nice little catch-up session then. We got to talk about kind of the the progress that we were making and trying to find that new co-host for Mission Log. And uh, it's like uh, sort of like uh, uh, Miss America combined with uh, America's Got Talent combined with uh, American Idols, all of those things really and, coming And Mr. Out. Universe. I mean, we've and got Mr. A- Universe. Yeah, all of those. Just all of them. Yeah, yeah, so know. much attention on this. And by so much, I mean not much at all. Uh, <laughs> no. um, but today... Today, I'm very excited. Wait, wait, stop. You actually did a ton of work, John. I mean, we, we, I don't know if we said it before, did, but yeah. you, you did a ton of work interviewing people. And I know we don't need rehash this because we talked about it before, but sure. I, don't, I want people to know this was not something that, that you know, we did casually. Yeah. John, we had uh, I, I, what, at least 15 people, if not more, um, that you at least talked to. And I don't know how many recordings, but there were a lot of recordings. And yes. uh, you, you put a lot of time into, into finding the right person. Yeah, I, it was a lot. I mean, pretty much, I, you know, the good news is that you and I have been talking about this for a long time yes. before yes. there was a public announcement about what was happening. Um, so we at least we had some ideas kind of uh, cooking up and we had these lists that you and I and other people in the office had come up with. Um, but then as soon as this became public, a lot of people wrote in. Yes. And a lot of people submitted demos, or maybe we just did sort of a casual interview, or we did a demo recording together, sometimes more than one demo recording, as yeah. we will hear today. It was not a little bit of work. Yeah. And then you listened to nearly all of them, kind of the ones that we had bubbled. Nearly up. all of them. Yeah. 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 Um, and you came back with some interesting notes, which is, uh, I think, what we'll talk about today as well, because that helped narrow down our candidate. Yeah. So. I, and I have one note when we, when we talk to him that, you know, uh, just to put him under the gun, you know, really stress him out a bit. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's good. Yeah. Trial by fire. <laughs> I, I like the sound of that for sure. Well, I tell you what, I mean, really without further ado, we, we could do this for literally minutes where we right. just sit here and we minutes. banter and we vamping is what they call it in the business. We would just talk about total nonsense. I'd ask you like how you're doing. You'd ask me how I'm doing. We'd talk about the new year, the holidays. We could do that. Or I could just bring in our guests who we will Probably also hear a lot more from. Should I just go ahead and do that? Probably a really good idea. Yeah. All yeah. right. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce the new co-host of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. You may know him, you may not, but you're going to get to know him pretty well today. Please say hello to Norman Lau. 
Yay, Norman. <laughs> Hello, Mission Log audience. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be here. And I think that my pulse just skyrocketed through <laughs> my ceiling right now before you just introduced me. But listen wow. to that, listen to that calm, cool, professional voice. Uh-huh. That's see, that's, that's it's, it's, it's sleep deprivation. It really is. <laughs> I made sure that I, d- I got zero sleep last night. So I was just completely zonkered out before I got on the show. Perfect. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's, that's, that's how you do the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the pro secret for all you um, budding podcasters out there before you get on the mic, just exhaust yourself. Yeah, that really? that or you know a couple of glasses of scotch and uh, you're good to go. Or a per- perhaps a petite Syrah. <laughs> petite Syrah. <laughs> or perhaps a beer. Or perhaps a beer. Yeah. yeah, which Rod is actually doing right now for those of you who are not seeing the video on uh, on Patreon. By the way, one thing I want to point out for those of you who do see the video on Patreon, uh, or for those of you who are just using your imagination, there is a cage behind you, Norman. There's That's like correct. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you like oh. to describe the animals that you have in that cage? So 20, 2019 blessed me with becoming a father of one bunny now that has become two bunnies. Oh. Very nice. <laughs> so, so they, yeah. Yeah. So it, when, when, um, when the listeners see this live, this is one of my two cages in my studio. I had to make sure I had a long talk with Pippin and Buffy, my two bunnies. That I, I really told them, it's like, you know what, if you, if you even pipe up at all and ruin my broadcast, it's, you're, you're going out. You're going outside in the hutch. No, I love, I love them to pieces. Hmm? Pippin and Buffy? Pippin and Buffy. Pippin and yeah. Buffy. I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Huge. Okay, that's, okay. And what's Pippin from? Pippin's from The Lord of the Rings. Pippin. Oh, one, of the okay. two, one of the two smaller hobbits. Gotcha. Actually, he became the tallest hobbit. Go figure. So, see, I just thought you were a big musical theater fan, and you would name Pippin after the Ben Vereen show, Pippin. Charlemagne's son, yes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All and right. apples. I love and, apples too. And apples. So. All right, good enough. <laughs> so, uh, well, let, let's talk just a little bit about the process that brought you here, Norman, mm-hmm. uh, because, well, I, I definitely want to talk about how I've known you and our, our friendship and, and all of that. Uh, but really, as Rod and I alluded to before, it was a process, um, and we had been looking from months ago. We had been compiling lists. Um, you were always on that list, uh, along with uh, many other very talented people, some who had a lot of podcast experience, some who didn't. Um, but when we would talk about this in the office, we would always talk about how it wasn't so much about getting somebody who has an encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek or has an encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture. Uh, although if you drop in, you know, ELO references to your uh, uh, shows, then perfect. We're, we're friends right away. Uh, but it was really about somebody who brought uh, a level of professionalism and insight and critical thinking to what we do on yeah. Mission Log. Yeah. And uh, we did all these interviews. We did a bunch of demo recordings. And you, we actually recorded a couple of times. And... Um, Rod, you came back to me very early on with what I think was a very important note about Norman, which is Norman sounds like he's been here from the beginning, (laughs) you know, and, and there's something to be said about throwing a total curveball at mission log, but there's also something really important about making sure that we all live up to the high standards that we set for ourselves before. 
Yeah. And uh, that really resonated with me the more I went along. Do you want to comment on that, Rod, at all? Well, yeah, I mean, at first, I just sort of want to say this, um, the process, John, which you did a majority of the work in terms of, of interviewing people and, and really sort of uh, fleshing them out. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, please, I, I don't want any of us to come across sending all high and mighty as if, you know, we some ego trip here trying to find the right person and only the right person is who we think the right person is. Um, you know, there's, there's people that we listen to and interview that you interviewed and, and sometimes it's a good day. Sometimes it's a bad day. It's, it's their first time doing it. We don't know who they would flesh out to, you know, five or six episodes in, um, you and Ken had terrific chemistry, but you both had to start somewhere and, Mm. and you guys grew into who you are. Um, and, and so, so I, I kind of want to just go on record saying we had a lot of terrific um, interviewees who very well could have been fantastic uh, podcasting co-hosts. Um, and some of them, maybe on different shows, might become that. For yeah. me, Norman, what I was really looking for, yes, the critical thinking. And you said it the best, John. The encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek is not important. They, they should know some Star Trek. I mean, they should definitely know Star Trek. Mm. Um, but it's the critical thinking... And, and what's even more important than that is, John, you're going to look at a scene or you're going to look at a character and you're going to have a point of view. Some of the, or maybe a majority of the time, as Ken did, he would agree with that point of view. But every now and then, I'm, I'm hoping and I believe, and from what I heard in the, the test interviews, Norman's going to see it a little bit differently. And it's not about you guys getting into a drop-dead fist fight saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> it's saying, that's funny. I never saw it that way, John. I actually looked at it from this point of view. And that's when I find Mission Log at its strongest. That's when I enjoy Mission Log the best, when I'm listening to one of you guys say something. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's really interesting. And then someone just turns it around and says something completely different. I go, holy shit, I never thought of it that way. Wow, I mean, that's great. That's when Star Trek is at its best, and that's when Mission Log is at its best. And that's what I got from Norman. So that's the, that is what excites me about having him as, as your new co-host. And by the way, very quickly to your earlier point about the very good, very talented people that we interviewed. Yes, I've been in touch with a good number of them um, who are not here in Norman's seat today. Uh, but talking about doing shows in the future and uh, joining us on Mission Log Live and doing other stuff with Roddenberry because there were many great conversations and many yeah. great hosts. That That is not blowing smoke. That is the absolute truth. And yeah. uh, it would be a shame if we missed out on on some of that talent. Which made it hard, too. Which made it hard. Um, but, yeah. I mean, Norman, you, you listen, you, you, you stood out. Um, John and I... Uh, completely agreed, had no doubts. We were like, yeah, you're, you know, you're the one. So just uh, say that to hopefully make you feel a little bit better and to let our audience know that I don't want the audience to think that we, we just randomly chose someone and we said, oh, they're all really good. We'll just choose one. We, we, we got the right guy. We got the right guy. Well, I mean, I appreciate both of your kind words and, and your confidence in me. I think the one thing that I, I just can't imagine in the process is just making sure that whatever choice or whoever you, ch- you chose would be the right person because you're right. You don't know whose path would mature and matriculate to this process in time. Yeah. That being said though, you also have to choose somebody that is familiar with the craft and that can hit the ground running because you have the already a seven and a half year established history with mission log. You have your audience. I'm sure that they are chomping at the bit to hear 
new episodes since you've uh, announced Ken's departure. And then you've had all of the different shows with different hosts. And I think they're ready to start 2020 with, let's see what happens. But I think that the most important thing about choosing any host is to make sure that the conversation about Star Trek is the focal point and not the minutia of the details. Everyone can yes. read an encyclopedia or read Google or have a description of all of the, the techno babble and all of the history and all of the details in front of them. But I think that any podcaster has a, a responsibility just to make sure that the conversation perpetuates to a point where both of you feel like you are giving the audience something that they will take after the show and then be able to chew on and even yes. write in on or comment on, yes. disagree on, agree on, but just make sure the conversation continues and, and to give them something to think about. And I think that giving two perspectives on anything and making sure that those perspectives are both, one, uh, analytical and two, heartfelt is really important. Yeah. yeah. And, and if I could quickly jump in and, and say something, um, and this is going to come out, uh, well, it's going to come out the way it's going to come out. Um, Norman, I know you've been in the business for a little bit, or at least you know what you're doing. Um, but I just kind of want to say to you, you know, I, I, I never want you to compromise and say anything on the show because you think uh, the audience wants to hear it or you don't want to uh, upset the audience. I, I'm saying this to you now so that everyone can hear it. Um, not that you need my permission, but I'm, I'm asking that you share your opinions. And if you don't like an episode, you don't like a character, you don't like a series, uh, obviously you already speak intelligently, but in an intelligent way, please share that with everyone. And you know what? People are going to disagree. They're going to be upset. They're going to probably be upset with me saying what I'm saying right now. But, you know, um, please, you know, this is why we want you to do this. Your opinion, your thoughts, your, your, your feedback, your critique. I appreciate that, Rod. I really do. And I think that it's important for all the listeners and the, and the current audience to understand that where I see Star Trek and my perspective on Star Trek is just one person. And I have the fortune to have been chosen to sit here in this seat and to talk about Star Trek at this type of level. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the conversation begins and ends with what we're talking about. It, I, I personally hope that everything that we say, whether you agree with us or disagree with us, it continues past the show into social media, into letters, into emails, into texts, because that's the purpose. I've always believed that that is the purpose of Star Trek is to take a look at all of the different parts of the equation and to formulate some type of stance on it. I mean, that's, that's where your father, Gene, that's where Star Trek was really at its best is when not every single person in that crew, especially in the original series, looked at a situation in one way. And in doing so, informed every other person on that show to think about it a different way. Not just the, you know, the uh, gunboat diplomacy, not just the logic, not just the passion. All of those have very specific parts into informing the public consciousness about why we are looking at this particular topic. And if we are doing our job right, and people will start talking about it in an intellectual way as opposed to what we're used to on social media now, which are very divided silos of taking certain stances. I, I don't want that to be the case. I want people to come together and discuss things. Discussion is a huge part of what is lost in the social fabric today, in my opinion. Beautifully said. Wow. Beautifully said. 
You know, uh, Norman, if you're worried about hurting anybody's feelings at all, it really should just be mine. Um, <laughs> I'm very delicate um, and uh, have, have very delicate sensibilities. So really only pull your punches when, uh, when we're having a, a discussion. I don't know how we've been friends for this long. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you guys something. Yeah. So, so Norman, I don't really know you. I mean, I know you through the interviews you've done, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know you. John knows you. Can, you. can you tell me and our audience a little bit about you, uh, where you come from, how you got into podcasting, what sort of work you've done before in this area, and then how you met John and all that sort of stuff. Well, I'm originally an East Coaster, so please, uh, for your audience out there, don't hold that against me or, <laughs> or buy me a cheesesteak because I love cheesesteaks. Nice. Um, so I grew, up, I grew up obviously watching Star Trek or else I wouldn't be in, uh, in, in this chair. Uh, and it's been a driving passion in my life because as, as a person of color, as an Asian male, uh, I wouldn't say that I identified with George K. Sulu, but it was always great to see diversity on the bridge, diversity in a show that I, I would watch from week to week to week, obviously in reruns. Uh, I'm uh, 47 years old, and podcasting isn't something that I actually sought to do. It was something that I was able to, I wouldn't say luck my way, way into, but uh, I, I had the fortune of working with Christopher Jones and uh, Trek FM around the end of 2015, I believe, he, he came, uh, he approached me and he said, you know, would you like to discuss a couple of episodes on the Ready Room? That's their flagship show. And I said, sure. Like, I mean, that sounds great. Why not? And it all kind of just unraveled from there because I felt that it was an opportunity just to be able to give my insight for, for whatever value that is out there on, on Star Trek, on science fiction, on social media and how we perceive the, the messaging that we're talking about in terms of content in the public consciousness. So I was then kind of quickly ushered into the host of Warp 5, which is their enterprise show, because at the time, not a lot of people were giving enterprise the respect I believe it deserves. And I love enterprise. I, I love that as a series. And up here, until, here, man. I love that show too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, uh, up until where I'm at with Deep Space Nine, it really was my second favorite series to the original series. And then after that, I felt like, well, I felt I discussed as much as I could about Warp 5 without being redundant. So they offered me the chair for Standard Orbit, which is the original series show. And I was able to formulate a team there uh, with some of the hosts that are part of, of Trek FM now and still. And that happened for about a year and a half. But then, much like everyone does in podcasting, you look at what you're doing with the original series and like, what can I bring to this format that hasn't been talked about? in the previous 50 years. And well, not, not necessarily on podcasting, but just again, in the general fabric of Star Trek conversation. So I decided to, uh, to, bra- to break out on my own. And I was the co-host of the Highlander podcast, Blood of Kings for the Fandom Podcast Network, which I created with my co-host, Kevin Reitzel, and the showrunners there, Kevin and, and Kyle Wagner. And I did that for about two years because Highlander is one of my favorite shows. I'm if you can see my background, I'm very huge into medieval history, and I'm a, a historical European sword fighter. Oh, it's wow. one of my hobbies. And uh, that lasted for, again, two years. And then I felt like, well, I, I feel like I've talked about what I needed to talk about. So currently, I am on a project with my friend Charlene Schmidt from the Nerd Party Network, and we're doing Babylon 5 podcast called The Zocalo, which is straight live on YouTube, no nets, no editing, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel that Coming into Mission Log, a lot of my podcasting experience has kind of come full circle because 
really where my heart of heart is in terms of, of looking at an episode or looking at the content really stems from Star Trek because uh, rarely do you see so many different series talk about the best things that Star Trek talk about. And that's, that's the, the, the moral and social fabric and how it's brought into a science fiction milieu, if you will. We'll get right back to our conversation with Norman, but I wanted to take a moment to tell you about this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you've heard us talk before about how important it is to protect your personal data while online, especially when you travel or use public Wi-Fi. I'm also here to tell you that using ExpressVPN has not in any way affected the speed of my connection on any devices that I use regularly, from my iPad to my phone to my computer. Sure enough, I ran a speed test on each device before and after activating ExpressVPN, and there was no difference in results, upstream or down. And how easy was it to set up? Well, that's one of the best parts. Once I set up a password, I can just use the ExpressVPN app to toggle on and off and to monitor status. And here's another fun little fact. ExpressVPN lets you change your location to nearly 100 different countries, so if you're browsing or hunting down content that is region-specific, well, now you've got a way to tell your browser that you're in Japan or the UK or Europe or wherever you'd like to be. And if you visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash missionlog, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash mission log. So Norman, do you, do you want to uh, tell the story about how we know each other? <laughs> how we uh, originally met? So in the burgeoning, I guess the burgeoning life of the internet around the late 90s, the mid 2000s, you know, you search the internet as one does. And this is kind of like in the primitive stages of like Yahoo and Google and those searches. Stone knives and bearskins. Stone knives and bearskins. That's right. <laughs> I came upon a website that dealt with not the content of movies and DVDs, but the special features of DVDs. And that was something that I thought was really important because a lot of people was like, oh, this is a great movie. You should buy the DVD or the Blu-ray. Were there Blu-rays back then? Uh, well, they, they came yeah. later. They came, what, like 2010? <laughs> no, no, no. A little before the 2008 really was the HD DVD and Blu-ray war. Yeah. yeah. But uh, watching DVD geeks... I, I think I reached out in an email. I said this, you know, whatever I was commenting on was like really important uh, in terms of what you said to me. And I think we just created this email online dialogue that just kept mm -hmm. going back and forth. And I think with the advent of Facebook, we just kept in touch and we're both fans of very similar things. You know, you, you got me into watching the man from uncle. Oh, yeah. uh, we're both James Bond fans and we've done many James Bond related podcasts uh, on Trek FM. And uh, I think that's just, we've just kept in touch because that's just the way the universe has plotted our course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's what's cool to me is that <coughs> we've known each other now for at least 10 years. Um, and a lot of that time, though, has been sort of peripherally, like we, we've emailed each other, we've been in the same kind of podcast circles every now and then, we get to get together in person and have dinner or I see you at STLV or something like that. Um, but we've not spent a really extensive and concentrated time together and certainly not doing a project together like this. So I'm really excited about this that I sort of get to 
redefine, like, like almost reboot my friendship with you as we do this. Um, there's a lot that I don't know about you. You just mentioned that we have a lot of similar uh, pop culture uh, references and pop culture passions. Uh, you're into stuff that I'm not into. I'm into stuff that you're not into. I look forward to sort of letting those organically merge into our talks on uh, on Mission Log. And um, that sort of leads me to something that was very important to me about choosing a co-host and, and working with Rod to choose a co-host. And that's that point of view really didn't come into it. Um, I love the idea that you and I will be able to bounce, you know, movie and TV references and song lyrics off of each other. To me, that's part of the fabric of Mission Log anyway. Um, but I honestly don't know a lot about your point of view on certain things. Yeah. And we got a lot of emails from people uh, and Twitter messages and Facebook messages who I think uh, absolutely their hearts were in the right place saying, oh, I hope you go with somebody like this. I hope you go with somebody like this. I hope Mission Log is like this. And it was all very well-meaning. It was all very thoughtful. None of those people are wrong in saying, do something different, get somebody different in this way, get somebody different this uh -huh. way. Um, but I wanted to make sure of two very important things. I wanted to make sure that we weren't choosing somebody solely to placate or reflect somebody else's expectation of the show like oh i want to hear my personal point of view on mission log so i wanted to make sure that that didn't come into play um and i also wanted to make sure that we started from a position of analysis critique and critical thinking the point of view is a lot less important to me and Rod, you'll know that as we talked about this here with uh, other people in the office and they said, well, well, who do you want? What, what's the job description? And I said, almost if you can, leave Star Trek out of it. I want somebody who was an English major. I want somebody who uh, had a degree in psychology. I want somebody who did all these other things, has these other influences on their life and can bring that to Star Trek. Now, I really lucked out because I didn't know that you have a degree in English, <laughs> English literature, right? English literature and creative writing. Oh, so, okay, there we go. <laughs> I did not know that until we talked just a few days ago. And uh, so I, I kind of got my wish. Um, what I want to know then since Star Trek, I'm sort of downplaying it, but obviously Star Trek is an important, very important part of this. Can you tell us your Star Trek story? I want to know about your fandom a little bit because if I'm not mistaken, I think our, our interest in Star Trek and our fandom of Star Trek has had not the same, but maybe some similar curves to it. You're into it. You recognize it as a kid. You're out of it. You got back into it. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I actually said this in a similar conversation to a friend of mine when he says, you know, why do you love Star Trek so much? What got you into it? And I said, it's probably one of the most painful, physically painful memories that I have about my childhood. And that is my dad yanking gum out of my hair when I was about five or six years old. And I was watching Star Trek, the animated series. And I would love to say that I was watching yesteryear, but I can't, I can't be certain about that. <laughs> But he was there with the peanut butter and kind of yanking, you know, uh, gum out of my hair. And I was watching Star Trek. And it's always, it's always been very important to me, I think, from when I was younger, because it was very colorful, obviously, you know, the, the great Technicolor design work of the, 
of the uniforms and the planets and everything in that, in that uh, design aesthetic. But I think when Star Trek took probably the most powerful hold of me and my best friend, Todd, he, he is almost jealous in a way where uh, he wish he had this moment with his dad. I was at the, it was the end of camp, tennis camp at Oberlin College in Ohio. And my dad gave me this digital watch. And he said, you know, this is, uh, take care of this, because he knew that I was going to be homesick. And he said, take care of this watch, and I'll pick you up, and, you know, after the end of a week, and uh, everything will be okay. Well, at the very last day, I was playing doubles tennis with my brother and his friends, and somebody stepped on my watch right next to the, right next to the, um, the, the, the net uh, where I put all of my stuff. And it was literally two hours before my dad picked me up. And I was devastated, just devastated. I was an inconsolable 10-year-old boy in 1982. So my dad said, okay, let's go see Star Trek. Star Trek's playing downtown in Oberlin. And let's go watch that movie. It'll cheer you up. And that was Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, to this day, and anyone on the internet can ask anybody about how I feel about The Wrath of Khan, because it's still to this day the single most important movie in my life. Wow. Not for just that reason. It's because it has the single greatest mantra that I've tried to live my life by. And that is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. When that was said, even to a 10 year old boy, it meant something to me because it said to me that there is a greater sense of something out there than yourself. And you have to serve that public good in the best way that you can. So I went back into Star Trek and I was seeing more of that meaning in the original series and then not so much in the subsequent series after that because they weren't as, they didn't mold my, my consciousness as much as, as Captain Kirk did with all of the, the struggles that he had, say for instance, in Arena when he was about to kill the Gorn on Cestus Three, and then he was, he was charged with that one question. It's like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing to do? Am I supposed to kill this creature? He was probably doing what I would have done. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the problem in, f- in front of him was staggering because in one action, he could have started some type of war between the species that they've never met. And I found that so incredibly powerful because much like, uh, much like Gandalf said to to Frodo is like mercy is what stayed Bilbo's hand and that merciful act cascaded into the, the destruction of the ring later on down the road. So when you think about what fantasy science fiction and all of these influences bring to us, the one thing that I always take from either Star Trek or Star Wars or Babylon five, anything that I watch is what is the moral of this? What is it informing me to do? How do I take that? kind of like spin it and, and in its concentrated form ingest and bring out to the rest of what I do. And I'm not perfect. I'm not going to say that I am the perfect embodiment of, of Gene's vision or of George Lucas's vision. But I think that in, in understanding it and having a dialogue about it, we can do the best we can with the information that we're given. I think that as human beings, that's all we can do is just try and do the best that we can on a daily basis and then go to sleep saying that, you know what? I tried. And maybe tomorrow will be better. Dude, you so have well the said. job. You have so well the said. job. 
No, more and more. You're just, you're just reconfirming what, uh, what we already know. But, and Rod, uh, what is your connection to Star Trek again? I, I, I don't know. I, I met this kid named Eugene, <laughs> that he was the son of Gene Roddenberry. Uh-huh. And uh, I locked him in a room, took his identity. <laughs> and, uh, wow, that's, that's a good gig if you can get it. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that. Um, Norman, take us. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry to make a joke there, but that, that, was, no, no, that was incredibly fine. well said. That, that was, yeah, that, that was awesome. And I I've, practiced, I've practiced that speech for 40 years. Okay. <laughs> it was well said. <laughs> I was waiting I for this moment. That, I didn't know that Wrath of Khan was your favorite Trek movie. So uh, that's. No, it's my favorite movie. Favorite movie. Of all yeah, time. There you go. Oh, of all wow. time. Now, okay. Have you, have you seen Wrath of Khan more than you've seen any other movie? Unequivocally, yes. Okay. Oh, and I was actually there. I was in, where was that? It was Morristown, New Jersey, just last, at the end of October, early November, when William Shatner was there for the, the tour. He was, oh, uh, he was uh, doing uh, the question and answer session. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. So I was able to actually see uh, Wrath of Khan with, with my best friend Todd and his brother Russ uh, in the theater together. That was like one of the greatest nice. gifts of my life. I was wow. like, I'm with my, I'm with my boys. I'm with my bros. <laughs> oh, and uh, I, apologies to the, <laughs> the crew out there. I did not know that they were showing this in kind of like um, a Seegerstrom music hall type atmosphere. People were yeah. there. They were, they were in suits, you know, or in evening gowns. Uh, and I don't uh, think I saw a single person in costume. And I, I do lament the fact that I didn't have my monster maroon with me. I really wanted <laughs> to have that on me. But, <laughs> but yeah. It's a it's it's a very deeply emotional movie for me in in probably every sense of the word. That that's something good for our listeners to know that you do uh, have some very strong cosplay. I, I know I said that how much Star Trek you've seen wasn't important for us, and it and it, it wasn't really a, a main factor in finding the right person. But it is important that you know Star Trek. Can you tell us what have you seen of Star Trek? Have you seen everything you've never seen? See, I, I, I'm a next-gen person, I, I, but one of my favorite episodes is the original series, Deep Space Nine. I haven't seen all of. I've now I'm, I'm almost through the th- third season because I'm a little bit behind. Um, um, Enterprise, I've seen, so I haven't seen everything. Everyone would think I've seen everything, but I haven't seen everything. Could you? Could, we want to know your Trek cred. What, what, mm-hmm. uh, what have you seen? So I have seen all of the original series. I have seen all of the Next Generation and. I thank the great maker that the next generation was at a time where I needed it because it really did get me through college quite a bit. It was, it was something that was really important to me as I was struggling through college, uh, not, not just academically, but you know, with a little bit of, you know, when you're in college, you, you hit the keystone light a little too hard <laughs> from every once in a while. But I really did uh, lean on the next generation a lot just to get me through some of the tougher times. And then I think around when Deep Space Nine came about, I started suffering what a lot of fans in the 1990s suffered, and that's a little bit of the Trek fatigue because you're having this perfect storm of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and the movies. They were all on, well, not the movies, but the TV shows were on syndication all the time. For me, that would have been, what, WPIX 11, upstate New York. And then I kind of fell off about maybe halfway through the first season of Deep Space Nine. And I have seen the highlight episodes. I mean, I've seen The Visitor. I've seen Far Beyond the Stars. I've seen In the Pale Moonlight. you know. But I haven't really seen sequentially Deep Space Nine or Voyager. That's, that's when Star Trek wasn't as important to me 
from a, from a personal standpoint as it is to me now. But then when enterprise hit in 2000, I was like, I love prequels. Star, Star Wars was doing the big prequel thing. You know, they were doing the original one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, so Star Trek is going to do a prequel. How are they going to do this? How are they going to, how's Herman Zimmerman going to kind of recreate the wheel from design going back, you know, a hundred years? How is the cast going to accept this type of almost near primitive version of Starfleet? Are we going to see retconning of the, of the series uh, that, that came, you know, 35 years before that, what is going to be changed? What is going to be respected? But in the end, you just want good stories. Yeah. In the end, you just want an episode like say damage episode, uh, the episode damage in season three, where Archer basically is in that same conundrum that Kirk had so many times. Do I do this to save these people and let them go on their way? Or do I strand them and do something selfishly, but in, in that decision, save the human race. What do I do? That is the Kobayashi Maru scenario that Archer faced unequivocally, because either way, it was a bad decision. It was just the lesser of two evils. And how do you live with that? And I think that as people, we have to do that. You're, there's no good decision sometimes. There's just the lesser of the bad decisions. Right. Right? right, and I think that that's what not just Star Trek, but a lot of science fiction gives to people. It gives them that ability to take a look at a situation and say, "You know what? There's no good choice here. I have to make the best of all of these terrible choices and live with it." And that's something that we do as humans. And I, I find that um, w- with looking at Deep Space Nine now, there is more to that than I gave it credit for. And shame on me for not embracing that at the time. But at that time I was, you know, just getting out of college and I didn't know up from down and Star Trek certainly wasn't supplying that to me. But then now I've seen, you know, Star Trek discovery, both seasons, I've seen all the short treks. I still have to catch up on some of the, um, uh, the, the peripheral series, like the animated stuff. And, uh, but you know, not all Star Trek means, as uh, as as important to me as some Star Trek, and I don't think that that's uh, I don't think that's different for anybody else. Everyone's going to pick and choose what they need to find meaning in that. Not everything's going to hit, you know, tens at one hundred percent at the time, and I don't think it should, you know, or else you wouldn't really have the discerning palette of a fan that you need to have, and uh, and find the value of it that that needs to just to make your day better than it was before. And I think that that's where, that's where I'm at with Star Trek right now. Do I agree with everything that happened on Star Trek Discovery Season 1 and 2? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But it's not my Star Trek to criticize in a way. It's someone else's Star Trek to enjoy and find the deeper meaning in. If they can do that, that's fantastic. It's just not for me. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Now, so you're caught up on the first three seasons of DS9. Yes. Thank goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but because we got work to do. Uh, but like me, you haven't watched four through seven sort of in earnest in order. I mean, I, I'm like you. I, I know the broad strokes. I've seen the, the highlight episodes. Um, but I, I kind of like that this is the first Star Trek in a long time that has been, quote unquote, new for me. 
you know, obviously discovery is new for everybody. Picard will be new for everybody. But going into mission log, I had already seen everything except for the bulk of DS9. So I get to sort of rediscover this 90s, you know, Berman era Trek uh, for the first time. And it's, well, I don't know if you listen to mission log or not, but it's been an interesting ride so far. And um, I kind of like the idea here, just as a reminder to our audience, I like the idea that we're taking it new week by week. Yeah. Um, The way that it was doled out in the 90s. Um, I think it's unfair to you as a co-host. It's unfair to me as a co-host. And it's unfair to the audience to try to look ahead and go, oh, well, this thing that we don't like in this episode, uh, they fix it three years from now. Um, that's, that, that's not how the audience saw it when it was new. That's not how the writers thought about it when they were writing it. Um, I'd rather just enjoy the ride, take it as it comes and go, okay, what was happening in this episode? And this week in 1995, here's what happened. Um, now that said, I think I've watched Voyager twice through maybe, and Enterprise at least twice through. I love that show. But it'll be cool to uh, to come back to those after some time away um, and, and see what we can mine from those as well. I think that there's something that is, I'm not sure if lost is the right word, but there's something that you don't cherish anymore when you binge watch TV or you don't find TV a destination for yourself to just clear your mind of, of what happened during the day and just kind of connect with what you're watching. One of the things that I think for any Star Trek fan is that we, we associate ourselves with certain characters. These are our heroes. These are our friends, either as their character or as their real life personality, their, their real life identity. And I think that when you just kind of blow through content that's really all you're doing. And you may get the bullet points. You may get kind of like the bold face print, but you don't really get to, to savor those really important emotional moments, like in, in yeah. Far Beyond the Stars where, and I know that this is skipping ahead, but you know, this, <laughs> so, like ah, Far Beyond the Stars you're when, allowed. When, uh, when Benny says, you know, it's, I created it, it's real, it's real. And it's like, if you're not driven to tears by that type of performance, just because you're like, I got to get through this and I got to get to the next episode just so I can say to the water cooler on Monday, I watch them all. Yeah. You're really doing yourself a disservice by not letting that percolate and, ma- and marinate and touch your soul, right? And really see that this is a very important message that needs to be discussed. And if you're not doing that, I really urge you to. Yeah. I want to ask both of you before we kind of wrap it up here. About... And I've got one last one after you, John. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I'm going to ask the both of you about the future of Mission Log. And I, I'm just sort of curious, you know, what your uh, your hopes, your your anticipation or expectation is. And, um, you know, Norman, as somebody who is coming into this after uh, seven and a half years, um, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here, but I'm just curious if there's anything that you've been sort of dying to say or, or you know, make sure that you sort of leave your fingerprint on this show. You know, I, I, I think that Rod and I have talked about how we really like the format. We like the idea of, you know, the segments of the show, the, the intro, the trivia, the recap and everything. Um, 
but that doesn't mean that it's written in stone. And, and I'm just curious uh, what you think about that. I think that as a listener and a listener to many different podcasts, I think one of the things that maybe we can massage a little bit is the amount of time that we spend with the recap. Mm -hmm. Because I think at this stage in the game, a larger portion of the audience probably already understands or knows about that episode. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the recap isn't important. What I'm saying is that I think the audience usually tunes into for the discussion, the, the meat of how we feel about the episode. And I think that if we can drive more time in that hour long format towards that, I think that it will give us a little bit more time to explore more of the morals, meanings and messages and how that's affected us, how it's affecting the fandom and probably give a little bit more exposition time to to the fans. And they're like, okay, you know, because I have read some comments where fans have said, I really like what was being said. It's just too bad that there wasn't more of that in lieu of what was the, the time that was spent on the, on the recap. Sure. And I think that for any podcast worth its salt and, and trying to be successful, what you don't want a, a listener to, to leave with is that, that, that sense of, you know what, it could have been great. It could have been great. <laughs> and I think that, for, at least for me coming in, the, the two things that I really wanted to make sure that I do, one is to not lose any audience members, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, yeah. we, this, this, is a, this is a legacy that I'm stepping into, but also to make sure that I, I give you my full honesty about things. And, and I'm, I appreciate, Rod, what you said earlier on, because I think that it would be any less of me to, to not do that because podcast listeners, they can sniff out um, things that are not authentic or disingenuine. Mm -hmm. They know that they're being pandered to for the sake of either promoting ad sponsorship or making sure that I'm not, you know, I'm not disagreeing with the powers that be. That being said, you have to say things respectfully. But I think that honesty is the one thing that really drives listeners to stay connected with the podcast because they want something genuine. They want something real. And they want to be able to have a conversation about it, whether or not it's going to go your way, but it has to be done. The conversation has to be continued. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, um, I, I love what you said, but, but in the... In the um in the interest of format and what uh, Mission Log is, I, I, I want to ask you guys, and this is just personal. John and I have talked a little bit about it. Um, I'm struggling with how much to cut down the, the, the summaries um, because I find I, I, I usually watch the episode one day and then maybe up to a week later, I will, I'll hear the, uh, uh, the podcast. And, it's, and it's, for me, it's very informative to get that recap. It's bringing... As I'm listening, it's bringing the show back in. And as I'm hearing, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I remember when that happened. Oh, okay, I remember. And it gives, for me, so much more foundation to the conversations that you guys have. Now, I know we're all going to have a different, our own perspective on this as listeners and, of course, you guys as, as, the, as the hosts. But, but I am going to ask that you guys pay, pay special attention to how much you're cutting out and, of course, what the people out there are saying because – I say this every time I'm on the show, I'm a fan. And as a fan, I am one who appreciates 
the thorough summary. Um, that is not me saying I want it to be incredibly long. Some of them have been a little bit long, but <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. I, there was one, um, I, I don't know if it was with you, Norman, but there was one summary done uh, in one of the test uh, interviews and it was too short for me. Mm. It, it, for me, it was too short. And I, I, I needed more to uh, remind me of that episode so I could be more engaged in what you guys were saying. Yeah. Well, so I, I think you, to no, I think out. you. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the the important thing is to to get the 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 broad strokes about the plot across, so we are all on the same page. We'll remember the important action points, the important character points, but then we're laying the foundation for the discussion to come. Yeah, you know. So if we're successful in boiling that down to those elements, then good. But yeah, we. I, I don't want to bore anybody or make them feel like, oh, okay, now I have to skip past a ten minute recap. Instead of just getting those important points in and it's okay. five minutes. You know? And I'm so sorry to interrupt, but that's a great option, right? They can always skip past it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You yeah, know, for yeah, those yeah. who like, listen, I know this episode inside and out. I don't want to hear Norman or John go through this damn thing again. I'm going to jump ahead till, to the meat. And I know, to your point, there's less meat then. Um, but, but, you know, we're, we're, our audience does have an option to skip forward. But again, you, you said it best fine-tuning these things, absolutely, I'm, I'm totally on board. And this actually leads me to my, my well, I, I don't want to say the last question, but at least my last question. Um, you know, what you guys do takes a lot of work. You guys watch the episodes a number of times. You guys have to write a summary. You have to decide now what's going to be more important in that summary. What should I keep in? What should I? And then you're going to, as you're watching it, take notes. I don't know if the second or third time or fourth time, decide what the points that you want to talk about are. And uh, that takes a tremendous amount of time. And my question to Norman is, are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a couple different ways to answer that, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, the one thing that this is, and I want to be honest with the listeners because you know, you're, you're getting to know me too. I know that some people in the Trek podcast community know me. And some don't. They're, they're just being uh, introduced to me right now. When John reached out to me and proposed the idea of me auditioning for Mission Log, I will be 100% completely honest. I was very ambivalent about it because of the amount of work I know goes into a show. There's a lot of work that goes into a show from not just the writing aspect, the reviewing the content, but you know, just making sure that you're putting together a good broadcast and on the flip side, what is the audience going to take away from it? How are they going to respond? And how much time are you going to have to meet their expectations online socially? If I can say that in, in, the, <laughs> in the nicest possible terms. So I didn't automatically say yes. It wasn't an automatic yes for me. But at the same time, though, I felt I do have a voice and an opinion that I want to express. And... If I can bring, I guess, my own kind of code of ethics and, and work, um, body of work and work ethic to this show, I feel like as a fan, I'm almost obligated to do it just because I'm passionate about Star Trek and what it means to me. So eventually I said yes, but at the same time, though, I know how much work goes into a show. I've had to write my own content on shows. I still do. You know, I've at least on YouTube on live streams, we don't have to edit, but I have done editing on shows 
And I understand the social push. It's not a very easy task. And on a weekly basis to be able to publish content and thank, you know, again, thank the great maker. We have a team, but it's hard to do what we do. It's hard to put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things like the, like your uh, live broadcast with a uh, Rekka, she, yeah. that just kind of like went uh, sideways and you kind of yeah. have to, you have to stretch yeah. the silly putty and vamp. Right. You know, so, and that has happened to me from time to time where you just have to, you have to trust in, in your preparation and trust in your talent. And I am 100% on board with this because I feel, I know this sounds corny, but this is how I believe things. I feel that the universe has put me at this place at the right time of my life to do this. And who am I to, who am I to disagree with the universe? (laughs) (laughs) That's well said, man. And look, there, there are great perks. I mean, uh, doing mission log has introduced me to some amazing people and uh, we have a great time at conventions and live appearances. Uh, You get a a room at Rod's house. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, that that's bring my bunnies for you. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are pets, welcome. pets are welcome. Uh, boy, Nuke will enjoy chasing them around. Who? Oh yes. Who? Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, I, I can't thank you enough, and I just want to let our audience know. Uh, I know that right now there's sort of a, a tentative schedule on missionlogpodcast.com for the upcoming episodes. That may be interrupted by one week. Uh, I've got a supplemental interview that I want to get out when we had David C. Fine. Uh, from Star Trek Motion Picture, the director's edition, come in and do a, just an amazing show with us in VR, uh, in sansar.com, talking about the making of that, uh, spending time with Robert Wise. Uh, it was so cool. And uh, let's face it, uh, Norman and I, uh, we, got, we got work to do now. So, <laughs> so I'll be updating that schedule before too long. Um, I want to thank both of you, uh, Rod, you know, uh, my friendship with you is uh, one of the most important things uh, to me in my life. Uh, the work that I've Thank been you. able to do for you has been nothing but a pleasure the entire time. Uh, so I'm. Well, we've been a team. Um, we first we were friends, and then yeah. we've been a team. Yeah. And yes, I pay the bills, uh, <laughs> uh, but we the work you do for me, we do together. Well, um, granted, uh, uh, you do a majority of it in terms of podcasting. <laughs> well, but, uh, somebody has to do it. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's always an honor to be able to to do this and and do something that is under the Roddenberry name. And um, I'm really thrilled now that I get to share that with another friend. Um, and and not only am I happy that this is a friend who is now joining the family, but it's somebody who Rod, you and I just knew from very early on this is the right voice, this yeah. is the right choice, and this is the right way to go forward with, uh, with the show that we feel very strongly and, and very protective about. So, yeah. Norman, and, really and, can't thank you enough. And, Norman, thank you very much. You know, I hope it didn't come off too much as me grilling you. I really wanted to share who you were. <laughs> I wanted to learn who you were as well as share that with our audience and hopefully get some information so they can, uh, uh, I don't know, rest at ease knowing that um, there, there's someone new coming in who. Who, who who's going to be able to, I really think, uh, represent Mission Log and Roddenberry in the way that at least I want it to be represented. Um, and um, just from listening to you today, I, I mean, I, 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 you sound like an amazing person, and I look forward to making a new friend. 
I appreciate all of your kind words again. Uh, thank you, Rod, and, th- and thank you, John, for this introductory show. And uh, it's, I, I'm beyond flattered and incredibly grateful for your confidence in me because this is a very, this is a very uh, serious legacy that's of, of different levels. The legacy of the show, the legacy of your father's vision, the legacy of talking about Star Trek with, I don't know how many fans out there that are, that are still carrying the torch for, for a variety of different reasons. But what I can promise the listeners is that I will give you my very best. And I expect one thing from the listeners is that you let me know what you think. We need to, again, continue the dialogue. It's just not what I say. It's not just what John says or Rod says. It's like we are this community of Star Trek fans that have perpetuated this vision and this belief for over five decades. And if you don't let us know what you need, we can't discuss these needs with you to make this entire process even better moving forward in the next months, years to come. And I really look forward to at least meeting as many of you as I can either on social media or at the conventions, because I am supremely honored to be in this seat. I will jump in with one small caveat, just um, in terms of, of feedback and letting us know what you need. Uh, in all seriousness, passion is wonderful, and, and we should all have passion. The, the emotional, quick responses where someone is upset or something, I, I just ask everyone out there who listens to Mission Log, hear what these guys have to say digest it, think about it, disagree with it or agree with it, think about it some more, and then send your feedback. It's just, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of people, all of us at times, emotionally respond with um, a, sometimes a hostile point of view. And obviously in life, the more time we take to digest what we've experienced or heard, think about it some more, maybe get some other points of view, and then come back at it. That is, that is the best, uh, in my opinion, the best way to, to provide feedback. But please, by all means, as Norman said, keep the dialogue going. Please keep the feedback coming. I'm uh, sorry. I know what I'm being talked to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. And thank everybody who's listening. Of course, Mission Log is a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast produced by Roddenberry Entertainment Executive Producer. Well, we've been talking to him all day. Rod Roddenberry. <laughs> you can find us at missionlogpodcast.com. That's where we keep uh, the majority of our discovered documents and comments from listeners like you. Of course, we're on social media, Facebook, Skype, and Twitter at Mission Log Pod. For those of you who have joined us on Patreon, thank you so much for your support. Patreon.com slash Mission Log. And you are among the lucky few who got to watch the video today of us introducing Norman. You'll also find our unedited and behind-the-scenes videos there as we go forward. You can find all of our shows at the Roddenberry Podcast Network. That's podcast.roddenberry.com. Seven shows up there for you to subscribe to now. More coming, I promise, in the very near future. And I'm going to make a funny face for our Patreon listeners. Oh, okay. (laughs) So they Classic. got to see this. No one else did. No one else did. Just, I'm you, just letting you guys know. That's great. And, and, and for only Patreon exclusively got to see the bunny hutch. No bunnies today, but, but soon the, the bunnies will make an appearance. Uh, so there's so much to see at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you all again, and we will see you next time. Love you all.
podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.